all of us, I know, have had this experience. Someone is talking, and you're supposed to be listening, but you aren't. Or I'm listening at maybe 50%, while something else also has my attention. And then the person speaking stops and says, so what do you think? Or maybe they say, did you hear what I just said? Are you even listening? Now, in that moment, we have a choice. Do we admit the truth and risk judgment? Or do we try to play off the fact that we weren't really paying attention? We might say, well, of course I'm listening to you. But see, that only sets us up for the all-time dreaded question. Well, then what did I say? At which point we're just, we're toast. Don't dig the hole any deeper. <laughs> At that point, just grovel and ask forgiveness. It's all we can do. But here's the, the truth. As we look today at uh, our second parable in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, we realize nobody puts a greater premium on hearing than Jesus Christ. No spouse, no parent, no teacher cares more about our hearing, our listening, than the Lord does. In fact, Jesus said things like this all throughout his ministry. The one who hears my word and does it, that person is my brother or sister. Uh, everyone who hears my word and does what it says, he is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation. Uh, later on in Romans, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing is absolutely essential, fundamental to the life of faith. And what we get today is a parable essentially on hearing. Uh, it's a very rich parable, but it's also a troubling parable because we, we get these words from Jesus's own mouth that many people listen to Jesus. Many people listen to Jesus but not everyone hears him in a way that truly saves and transforms. Everyone hears, but not everyone really hears. And, and that's why at one point, we'll see it in Luke 8, Jesus actually cries out to the crowd with a loud voice. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is what we call the parable of the soils. It's one of the few times that Jesus he actually explains in detail the meaning of the parable. He pulls back the curtain for us to see his point with greater clarity. He rarely does that, but here he, in a sense, gives us the notes for the final exam with uh, a little more clarity, and we should be glad, because otherwise we might, we might miss the heart of what Jesus is actually saying here. Are we really hearing what Jesus says and responding to his words in faith. Well, look with me at Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Luke says, When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to Jesus, he spoke by way of a parable. Verse 5, The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this parable, taken all by itself, tells uh, a very basic story about agriculture, right? Everyone in Jesus' day would have understood this at face value. Someone casts seed out on the earth, and it falls upon all different kinds of soil. And depending on the nature of the soil, that seed will either take root and bear fruit, or it won't. But then Jesus cries out to this massive crowd, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is imploring them to take in his true message. And one thing that becomes clear as we see this this scene unfold, this parable is being acted out in this very moment. As Jesus stands in front of the crowd and preaches to them, what he's saying is the exact thing that is happening in that moment. The parable is being lived out in real time. And this includes Jesus' own disciples who are with him. We see this in verse 9. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And Jesus said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. The disciples don't understand the parable, so they ask for the interpretation. Jesus, help us out here. And Jesus actually gives them more than what they asked for. He gives them, and he gives us, this incredible insight into the purpose of his parables. What we just read, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That is to say, I'm giving you special access and revelation to the things of God. But to the rest it's in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now this brings about an obvious question. Is Jesus saying that he speaks in parables for the purpose of keeping people in the dark about God? As if Jesus doesn't want people to hear the gospel and be saved? I mean, is is he intentionally disguising the truth from people? I thought the whole point of Jesus coming into the world was to seek and save the lost, not to confuse and condemn the lost. Uh, What Jesus is saying here is actually a quotation from Isaiah chapter 6. A very famous account of God calling Isaiah as a prophet to the people of God, Israel. And God tells Isaiah up front, these people have blind eyes, and their ears are plugged, and their hearts are hard. So God tells Isaiah, don't expect a great reception You're going to preach and proclaim, and it's going to feel like you're talking to a brick wall a lot of the time. But go and proclaim the truth to these people, and the truth will serve as judgment to those who reject God 
and it will also serve to provoke God's people to repentance and faith. God says later on in Isaiah, my word, God's word, will be sent forth and it will not return void. It will do the purpose for which God sends it. And he uses Isaiah as a mouthpiece. That word falls upon some as judgment. That word falls upon others as, as provocation, as calling them back to the Lord. And so here Jesus stands in Luke chapter 8. He's standing among, among the crowd as the true and ultimate prophet of God. Jesus is the prophet to end all prophets. He's the greater Isaiah in this case. And he is declaring God's kingdom in such a way that it reveals the true nature of the people's hearts. His word is revealing their hearts, our hearts. Some, as we will see, are hard-hearted. Others are shallow. Some are divided in heart. But then there are some who will hear and receive his word. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's a prophetic nature to what's happening here. And now Jesus does us a great favor. He explains to the disciples and now to us, as we look over Luke's shoulder, he explains what he, what he means. Look at verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now stop for a second, and, and I, let's be more explicit. The seed... When, when Jesus says the word of God, he doesn't just mean the seed is the Bible. Uh, what he means is the seed is the message of the gospel of Jesus. It's the message of Jesus that he comes to bring to the world, the revelation of the Son of God and his forgiveness of our sins. And this is the message of the whole Bible. God's gracious work to redeem sinners and bring about his kingdom for all eternity. This is the seed that is being sown. It's, it's the, the word of God which brings life and salvation. And this seed goes out everywhere. You notice this in the parable. The farmer doesn't just cast his seed only on one kind of soil, but he throws it all over the place on all different kinds. Jesus didn't go around preaching only to certain kinds of people, but he preached to everyone just like we're meant to do. And we don't control the soil that it lands on. All we do is sow the seed, the word of God. But the point is not the seed. The seed remains the same no matter where it goes. The point ultimately in this parable is the soil. There are four kinds of soil. Verse 12, first kind. Those beside the road are those who have heard. But then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Uh, this is the hard soil, this, the, the seed that lands on the path. Soil so hard that the seed never even breaks the surface. Y'all, this is a person to whom the good news of Jesus is meaningless or even foolish. But you notice, and Jesus is, is clear on this, it, there's, there's a very obvious present work of the enemy ongoing. The devil comes in and takes away the word. Now, that doesn't eliminate human responsibility, of course, but it does reveal the significance of the battle going on here. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke to this in 2 Corinthians 4. 
Paul said, even if our gospel is veiled, hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is at work to keep the hard soil hard, to keep us blind and deaf to God. Y'all, the devil doesn't care if you are a nice religious person. That really poses no threat to him. But he is terrified of you hearing and trusting Jesus. There is a battle going on here, and there is a hard soil which never receives the seed, the word of grace. Then there's a second soil, verse 13. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The second person here is not totally hard toward God. In fact, they receive the word happily. It's good news. It's joyful. There's a, there's a happy reception of God's love and grace found in Jesus. But rocky soil implies a shallow heart. Tim Keller says that for this person, Jesus is a service provider rather than a Lord. And so there is no firm root. And in a time of temptation, this person falls away. This is a man or woman who enjoys Jesus very much on the surface. But sin and suffering make them wither away. Whatever form of faith there was there is quickly destroyed when difficulties arise. It's like a plant that springs up very quickly, but then the scorching heat of the sun puts it to death. Y'all, some people fade out whenever the heat is turned up. Because in this case, their faith was not legitimate. There was no firm root. Then there's a third seed, or a soil, rather, a third soil. Verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. This is a person who very likely professes Jesus and maybe even attends church. By all accounts, he or she may be a very fine Christian. But this is a person with a divided heart. They are surrounded by thorns that choke out any potential for fruit. And the thorns are there. They don't, they don't come up all of a sudden. They are present in the soil already. Jesus characterizes these things as the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Y'all, this is what the Bible calls idolatry. I want Jesus in my life, but I will not be completely devoted to him. I want him to coexist with all the other pursuits and affections and desires in my heart. I want to have Jesus, but I also want to have the world as well. And in this case, a person with this kind of soil, this kind of heart, they're, they're going to feel fairly okay with this arrangement. 
I have my faith, it's right here in its appropriate place. And I have all my other priorities situated just right. I can have it all. But Jesus paints a clear picture here. These other things, these worries and riches and pleasures, these other affections, they are like thorns. What do thorns do? They choke the life out of us. This is the kind of person who, who wants to gain the whole world, Jesus says elsewhere, and yet loses or forfeits his own soul. We end up fruitless. We end up bringing no Christian maturity to bear in our lives. Y'all, what Jesus is describing here, soils one, two, and three, uh, these are not genuine Christians, regardless of what profession they make. And I don't say that in judgment. Uh, I don't say that to be crass or heartless. It's just simply how the parable is meant to be read. One never receives, one falls away, one bears no fruit. And in all those cases, Jesus affirms, and the scripture affirms, that the seed never really took root. Uh, true faith was never present. Y'all, th this is a very difficult parable. It's meant to be. It was difficult the day Jesus first delivered it to the crowd. And it's no less difficult for us today. It hasn't been softened over the course of time. But it's difficult in different ways, maybe from two different perspectives. For the original hearers, for this Jewish crowd in Luke 8, Jesus is telling them that salvation comes by a seed. This is how Jesus characterizes the gospel message. As a tiny seed that must be received into the heart, the kingdom of God that will cover the earth in God's glory and power forever? Well, it begins for you with hearing a message of a Savior who is humble, who suffers, and who dies on your behalf. Think about this. For people who are convinced that salvation comes by keeping God's law and living with moral purity, only to be told that life actually comes by receiving a simple message of grace, something you cannot produce on your own, something you cannot take credit for and boast in, but that you have to receive with humility, y'all, that is a complete reversal of our human nature. Even now, even today, a, there was a poll recently taken uh, of professing Christians asking basic Christian belief kinds of questions. And in this poll, 52% of professing Christians answered, salvation comes by our own good works that open up for us entry into heaven. The opposite of the the gospel message given by Christ. And yet that's what, in this case, a majority of modern Christians believe and cling to. And so when we talk about hearing by faith and receiving a gift of grace, those ideas always run counter to the natural human heart. That was true in Jesus's time. It's still true today. But that's how you come into the kingdom, Jesus says. That's how we are saved, by a seed that takes root in the heart, a message of mercy and forgiveness.
But this parable is difficult at another level too. Not just for those who think more uh, legalistically self-righteously, but also for those maybe in our more modern state, those who, if you're like me, you grew up in church. See, a great many of us, we grew up around Christian environments where the gospel message was presented something like this. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, if you want to make a decision for Christ, then simply raise your hand right where you are or just walk down front or, or repeat this prayer after me. And if you say these words, then you're in. It's a very simple appeal. It's a very simple response. And y'all, of course, many people have come to know the Lord legitimately in those kinds of ways. But Jesus is clear on something. <laughs> a positive response is not the same as salvation. Those are not one and the same. And if we make it so easy to say, just repeat these words after me, just raise your hand and you're in, so many times we as the church have given false assurance to people who may or may not have actually come to know the Lord. And that's why Jesus gives clarity here, responding with joy, going, walking along as a Christian, even if you've got a heart divided in idolatry, those things may give the appearance of the real thing, and yet they're not rooted. They're not real. Only one of these soils is the real thing. And Jesus tells us in verse 15, he says, But the seed on the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. You know, the same thing happens in the fourth case as happens in the rest. Everybody hears the word. All four soils, they hear the word. But there's one obvious difference. The word here is received and becomes rooted in an honest and good heart. Now, this is not to say that this person was already honest and good, and therefore they had a step on everybody else. They... It was easier for them to hear and receive the gospel because they were already a good person. That's not the message of the gospel. It's not about being good in advance. No, Jesus is defining what happens when a person is saved. That unlike the divided heart, which desires to keep Jesus around only as one of many options, no, the Christian heart, the true Christian heart, is single. Jesus alone is Lord. And unlike the shallow heart, which is mainly concerned with blessings and benefits, the Christian heart is rooted deeply. It is not a circumstance-based religion where I only worship Jesus because of the good things he gives me. No, the true Christian heart is able to endure suffering and temptation because we have received Jesus as Lord. He's not just our genie in a bottle to give us nice things. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and the Lord of our heart. And therefore, no temptation, no difficulty will make us wither and die out. And unlike the hardened heart, which never even receives the word to begin with, the Christian, Jesus says, holds the word fast. It is taken in and it cannot be lost. It is held on tightly. But here's the most telling sign, the most important sign, perhaps, of genuine faith. The thing Jesus says there at the end. These are the ones who bear fruit with 
perseverance. In the initial parable, Jesus says, this soil, this fourth soil, produces a crop a hundred times as great. To which the people listening, they would have responded, wow, only a miracle. Only God himself could produce a crop that bountiful from a single seed, a hundred times as great. And that's exactly Jesus's point. This is how powerful the seed is. The gospel is not just information that we take in and file away. This is life itself. The gracious gift of God, which transforms the human heart. It produces fruit within us and beyond us, far beyond our capacity, our imagination. This is the supernatural work that God produces because the seed takes root and produces that which glorifies the Father. And so think, just think agriculturally for a moment. How does a farmer know whether the sowing of the seed was effective? Well, he waits for the harvest. Eventually, right? Eventually, the seed that takes root and that has the right soil, that, that seed is going to, to produce good fruit. And by the same token, what is the evidence of having truly heard Jesus and receiving him by faith? Jesus says, you will bear fruit with perseverance. You will bear good fruit for the long haul. You are not uh, a, a take-it-or-leave-it kind of Christian who has a divided heart. I, I bring Jesus out when he's needed, when he's convenient. You are not a shallow Christian who only uh, goes along as long as things are nice and easy and, and good and happy, but withers when things get tough. No, you bear fruit. Um, as, as according to the nature of your being, because that fruit is now deep within. It's coming out of who you are. Jesus said it even more plainly in, in John 15. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is evidence that the seed has taken root in the good soil. Now, two quick points on this. First, Jesus is not commanding anything right here. The point of the parable is not commanding anything. He's describing something. He's defining something. The message to the crowd is not, come on, y'all, start bearing fruit, get after it. No, the fourth soil here is descriptive of a person who has truly received Christ. Jesus says, if the, if the seed has taken root if you have really heard me and received me, you will bear good fruit. You will. You will endure because that's what it means to be a Christian. Not to say it's without human responsibility and effort. Of course, we are responsible for abiding in Christ, for obeying Christ. Of course, it requires great striving and effort on our part. But because it's who we are, it will occur. It's not something we have to produce out of our own resources. God causes the growth. God is the one who ultimately produces the good fruit. So this is not a command. This is a description. Now, having said that, this is a diagnostic parable. It is meant for us to be something that we uh, evaluate ourselves by. What kind of soil is God's word of grace 
falling on in my case, in the case of Kyle's life? And y'all, this is a question that anybody can ask and ought to ask, regardless of where you are in your life of faith. Is my heart hardened to the things of God? It can't even get in. I will not listen. Or is my heart shallow? And I have a faith, so-called, that withers easily. It's no, really, it's no faith really at all. Because any difficult circumstance um, uh, pushes it out. Is my heart divided and therefore I get choked out and, and fruitless? I'm always bringing competition into the fray when it comes to Jesus and his place in my life. Or do I have ears to hear the voice of Christ? and a heart that is soft, and a desire to bear good fruit, the kind of good, good fruit that comes by faith. Y'all, I, I pray for a lot of different things, but I'm not sure I ever pray for ears to hear, for eyes to see. And we need to. We ought to. Because this is, this is not just a parable about becoming a Christian, this is a parable also about living as a Christian. The fourth soil is the only one that Jesus says the seed gets down into the heart and therefore it bears fruit. Am I praying for that? To really hear Jesus in a way that I'm inviting his word, his truth, his grace constantly into my heart so that I might be changed what a prayer that is. That we, no matter how long you've been a Christian, that's, all, that's how we ought to think, how we ought to pray. That we would have listening ears, fully attentive to our Savior. May God's word be planted deep down in rich soil as we continually come to Jesus and hear from him. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we ask this morning that you would, would do this, what, what the parable is describing and defining. Lord, let it be lived out right now, even as we pray. That, that there is perhaps, I mean, for those who are watching this right now, we may, be, we may, be, we may have folks from all different soils here those who have been hard-hearted, that the, the word of grace has never penetrated into the heart, that Satan has, has prevented it thus far, but that you, God, by your grace, can till the soil, can open the heart, um, as you did with Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Opened, you opened her heart to receive the message of grace. And I pray that right now. That someone watching, someone listening, may receive you and be forgiven. May receive you and find life. Lord, I pray for us, if we are of shallow heart, that we like you, God. We like you a lot. We want Jesus around but with an understanding that he's meant to give us good circumstances, happy feelings, and when things get hard, we are, we are, we wither away.
that, Lord, you would give that same grace, Lord, the grace that, that gets deep down and shows us what it means to know Jesus. That to know him is to suffer, is to walk through temptation and difficulty. But he walked through those, those roads for us in advance. And that he is Savior and Lord. That perhaps some of us may have a divided heart where we want Jesus around and we like to, to have him available to us. And we pray to him and we, we do all sorts of good religious things perhaps, but he is only one of many priorities. We will not allow him uh, to sit on the throne. We want him to, to merely be available to us. Lord, our heart is divided and we need the single eye, the single mind and heart of a true Christian we, we need the fourth soil. We need a heart that, Lord, you have made honest and good. A heart that holds fast the word of truth, the word of grace, and that we bear fruit with perseverance because you, Lord, are, uh, uh, are um, present within us. Your Holy Spirit dwells within us, Lord. We, we have a Savior and Lord Jesus Christ who, who um, because his love is so amazing, uh, it demands our, our life, our soul, everything. And we are happy to give it all. Because we see we've received this precious grace. Um, Father, make us this fourth soil. Uh, not, just by, to, to not just to get us into the kingdom, Lord, but that we might operate and live this way day by day as those who hear and respond as those who take the word of grace deeply into our hearts day by day and bear fruit for the long haul to your glory. Thank you, Lord, for this parable, for the explanation. But Lord, make it so that when you look upon us and describe us, Lord, that you are describing the good and rich soil. Make it so, Lord, by your grace. And let it be our joy to live for your glory. In Christ's most wonderful and precious name. Amen.